Now through August 31st, my friends at Scana Energy will be matching donations to their homework centers. These donations will help students across Atlanta succeed in school. Donate now or learn more at scanaenergy.com slash give. And now it's time for FinCast. Boom shakalaka. Wide receiver and fan favorite Brian Fennerin is talking Dirty Bird football. Powered by Scana Energy, the official natural gas partner of the Atlanta Falcons. Looking for Fennerin who leaps into the air, a touchdown. FinCast starts now. All right, you are tuned in to the Maiden Voyage of FinCast, brought to you by Stana, the official natural gas provider of the Atlanta Falcons. And alongside Brian Finneran, I'm Tyler Nelson. Finn. What up? Happy Maiden Voyage of FinCast. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's see if we can get <laughs> FinCast up and running. Yes, and uh, so I guess the general idea here is we're going to be talking Falcons football um, once a week for a quick quick look in, and uh, this being the in- initial and first episode, I wanted to go over a quick um, timeline of your career. So starting mm-hmm. in high school and actually being more of a basketball player? Uh, yeah, you could say that. Basketball was our favorite sport, identical twin brother Brad, and we won a division title in basketball in my senior year. Uh, football, we were, we were a good team. We just never got over the hump. We lost in the playoffs um, in the CIF out there in California a couple times. But love both sports, love being on the football field and playing, but basketball was just more fun growing up. It wasn't as hard and didn't hurt as much. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, quit playing football at, at, uh, after middle school because of that exact reason. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Um, but so after that, Villanova, how'd you wind up at Villanova across so, the country? Yeah, all the way across the country. They came out and recruited my twin brother, Brad and I, and were the only college or university to offer both of us a scholarship to play football. And, uh, we had a couple of little lukewarm looks in the PAC 12, PAC 10 at the time from Oregon and Oregon state, but they kept pushing back my visit and they didn't really offer Brad, my twin brother. We had, uh, we had a deal set up to go to the Naval Academy and play basketball Cool. Uh, but when Villanova came knocking to get that ed- kind of education and to be able to go there and play football at the 1AA level right away, uh, we felt like it was a no-brainer. So when we got that offer in January of 90, January of 94, I guess it was, uh, we jumped at the opportunity and decided that was a place for us to go. Took a visit and uh, liked it. There was a freaking ice storm, by the way, when we were there. But <laughs> what are you going to do? Scan Energy can take care of us and keep us exactly. warm. There we go. Nice. Plug the sponsor. Thank you. And... Um, and the rest is kind of history. We just had a great career there. You're the Walter Payton Award winner, right? My which senior is, year. Um, which is basically the Heisman for 1AA football. For, uh, yeah, for that, that. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. It's a Heisman trophy for 1AA football. The yeah. best offensive player in 1AA gets the Walter Payton Award. And I was the very first receiver ever to win it. I had a great. Uh, any, anywhere, not just at Villanova. Oh, anywhere. Any I didn't know that. that's ever. Awesome. Yeah. So a lot of quarterbacks and running backs right, have won the okay. award. But I was the first receiver to ever win the award. I had a great supporting cast. The quarterback was phenomenal. He had 42 touchdowns and six picks my senior year. Wow. I had two other receivers, my twin brother Brad, who put up some big numbers, and then uh, Josh Dolbin, a local kid from uh, Pottsville, Pennsylvania, um, was on the receivers, receiver, one of the receivers as well, and he had a big year. So between it all, I had, I had like 1,400 yards and 19 touchdowns, and, and we were number one in the country, which helped as well. And, uh, and and it just, that was it. So I started getting noticed, and um, people started coming, checking out games, and had a couple workouts, and it was draft time. You, you go as an undrafted free agent to Seattle. That's exactly right. And then? Go to the Seattle Seahawks in um, 98, undrafted free agent. 
and uh, didn't make the team. There's some stories in there, but it was just kind of I was I was a little bit weak. I was uh, my confidence level was oh, come on. was beat up. <laughs> I was I was six five, two hundred two pounds, soaking wet. You just can't play in the NFL that size. I, I feel like you could be a runway model with those. That's <laughs> exactly right. And long tibias. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it didn't work out. I needed to learn some things. I needed to put some muscle on, which I went home and did. Uh, sat out the whole 98 season and ended up, my agent put my name in the uh, arena draft and arena football draft and the NFL Europe draft. I got drafted by both leagues and ended up going to Europe and playing for the Barcelona, Barcelona Dragons. Barcelona Dragons, that's right. Yep. And how long were you there? Oh, you just, the, the idea for NFL Europe, if you if you have any aspirations to play in the league, is to be there for one season, which is three or four months. Uh-huh. Get the hell out of there, get back in the league, and, and, and start working on your professional career. And that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. I had a great year. Again, a really good team in Barcelona. We lost in the World Bowl to the Frankfurt Galaxy. I think Jake Delhomme might have been their quarterback on the other side. All right. Some nice players. And um, we had a great quarterback on our side as well, and Todd Bauman, who was a backup in Minnesota and Baltimore and New Orleans. Um, and I was third in the league in catches and yards and receiving touchdowns. So I signed with the Philadelphia Eagles when I came back to the States. Um, I had like two, three weeks off from a you know 11-game schedule in Europe. Two weeks off right in the training camp, and it uh, kind of hurt me a little bit, but I had an unfortunate drop. I made the team, which was great, little baby steps, you know. Yeah. Uh, made the team in Philly. Had a bad drop my very first game up there at home, which is never good. Um, got intercepted. They took it back, kicked the game-winning field goal. Oh, and uh, I was a goat, but not in a good way. And um, I just as a quick, uh, yeah. the difference between Falcons fans and Atlanta fans in general and Philadelphia fans, um, I, I had a chance to talk with your wife this weekend about that play and how she felt legitimately afraid for her <laughs> and your two young kids at the time in that stadium it, of your own fans. Right. No. They, they and that expect, would never happen in Atlanta. Hey, it wouldn't. I mean, fans in Atlanta would be upset. Of course, but they would, never, you would gonna, never feel physically... In, uh, in danger. That's exactly right. You would not. So that's probably the difference. They're a little bit more vulgar, but I, I think the fans are great. They love their teams. Yeah. They love when they're great. They love when they're good, and they let you know when they, they think they suck and they think they're bad. And that's exactly what they did. So I ended up getting cut like three or four weeks later. I sat out eight weeks, had three workouts. I went to work out for the Giants. This is all during the 99 season. For the uh-huh. Giants, uh, the Jaguars, and the Falcons. And my workout down here in Atlanta was awesome. Uh, Steve DeBerg was thrown to us. He was kind of a backup quarterback slash coach at the time, I think. And we hit it off real good. My cleats fit perfect. My gloves felt perfect. <laughs> DeBerg threw perfect passes. The field felt perfect. How much does that put, like, cleats and all the just the small details, how much does that factor into comfortable in the, f- yeah. comfort in the field and performance? Like- oh, it's huge. It makes a fact. You still got to go out there and play and run right. and catch and do all those things. But feel good, look good, play good, like yeah. primetime used to say. Uh, it does make a difference. I think about Young Way Koo, who just got his who car just, stolen. I saw that, yeah. With his cleats in, the, in there. And for a kicker, there's nothing more important than your cleats. Right. Because they fit your foot perfectly. You've molded them. You've shaped them. Um, you've worn them out and worn them in. And you, a lot of times, you don't want to get rid of them. And uh, apparently, he had a couple pair in there that he loved. And he's more salty yeah, about that than he was the, the car. losing the car. So the equipment and all that stuff makes a difference. And then the field and the, and the environment as well. So I had a great workout. And then, like... Must have been four weeks later. They signed me to the practice squad. December 13th, 1999, I joined the Falcons practice squad. And um, and I don't, you know, I, I, at that time, I'm like 11 or 12. But I, of course, remember the excitement of the 98 year when we went to uh, the Super Bowl. I don't recall how good they were in 99. It was bad. Uh, 
Jamal Anderson tore his ACL. That's I think. right. That's right. A couple other guys got banged up, and they it just they just fell off. Was really it, fell off a cliff. Was there still a, a Super Bowl hangover in terms of excitement about on the team for somebody like you coming into uh, the team? Not really. Okay. You look at the record of the team, yeah. <laughs> how bad they were at the time. You just hope. At, my, at that point, I was just thinking about performing on the practice squad, making plays, and and hopefully maybe getting bumped up from those last three last two or three games of the season. It never happened. I stayed on the practice squad and. And then the next year, um, in that off season, I think we were driving home from the end of that season and uh, driving back up to South Philly and in South Jersey, where we were living at the time. My wife and I and the two kids and uh, the Falcons called my agent. My agent called me and said they wanted to sign me to a one-year deal. I said, "All right. I mean, I don't have a job, so <laughs> yeah, let's do it." Sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, then I mean, to, not to to gloss over, but yeah, nine ten, nine, ten years. What was it? Uh, eleven with the Falcons and twelve overall. Yeah. So that's um, so that was a one year. The year. average as the one of the commercials you're you're on in six eighty the fan right now is the average wide receiver has a two and a half year career in the yeah. NFL. Two and a half, three and a half, depending so, on who you talk to. So considering all that, looking back, what are you the most proud of of your career? Oh man, um, the the teams I played on, the friends I met, the relationships I I um, fostered throughout the course of my career, the friendships that I still have today, uh, being able to play for twelve years in the NFL. Although uh, Roddy White would tell you it's ten, I, <laughs> he likes pointing out that I did spend two years on on IR with a torn up knee, but I still got paid, so they still count. <laughs> so and you came back, yeah, and I came back and played three more years yeah. after I tore my knee up two years in a row. So those things I'm most proud of, um, representing my family a certain way and the last name on my on the back of my jersey and everything else. So yeah. just to be able to play that long, I love playing the game. I love being on the football field. Uh, you kind of have to to play that long. You really have to enjoy it. I think a lot of the players today, I don't know how much they love the game. You see them come out of a game more times than not. I think we've seen several examples of that recently. We certainly have. And um, it's just a little different mindset now. It was it was tougher back then. It was tougher before I played, and it was tougher uh, when I played than it is to play now. It just it's year Generationally, it just gets softer and softer. And it's still the t- one of the toughest sports in the yeah. world because you're going to get hurt. You're going to get banged up. But they've, they've lessened practice time. They've lessened the hitting. They've lessened the amount of time you're on, on the field with pads on. So it's good. It's probably good for the game. It'll, it'll elongate and lengthen guys' careers, which is good for the game. Probably safer for guys. younger kids and yeah. Yeah, more comfortable for parents to have their kids start the game and stuff. So, so. Well, that's, that's a good conversation maybe for the next, uh, for the next episode, I guess. But um, So given kind of talking now about the current state of the game, well, let's talk about the current Falcons. And there's probably nothing more pertinent to discuss than Julio Jones or the lack thereof. So maybe one of the best wide receivers to ever play the game, and yeah. now he's a Titan. No, he certainly is. It, it was a no-brainer in the sense that Thomas Dimitrov left our salary cap in, in oh, a hellish, yeah. hellish way. So Terry Fontenot, our new general manager and head coach, Arthur Smith, had some decisions to make. They made a few early on. And then news came out that Julio Jones was looking for a trade to get out of Atlanta. In his words, I believe he said he's looking for a contender and a quarterback with a big arm, which I thought was a shot at Matt Ryan. I didn't like the way that he yeah. said that on the way out. I don't think yeah. it was necessary. But somebody put it out there. Somebody said it. I don't know if it was out of his mouth or not, but not my favorite see- way to see him go, the relationship yeah. and connection. Because he never was really the dramatic. Like He was the, never right. the Des Bryant or that guy. Who was, you know. He still isn't. I just didn't like that one little sh- parting shot. Yeah. So with his salary cap savings for the Falcons, $15.3 million, Saved us the money we needed to save. He's 31, going on 32. Still got three good years left, I think. He's would you, a machine. Would you, would, do you think we should have traded him 
when we had a little more value because all we got no. is like a second and a fifth second conditional and a six, yeah. n- next year. Like that's listen, a thirty-two-year-old receiver, you're not going to get that much, right. you know. So that's what I'm saying. So you think maybe we should have traded him before we did? No, you should have fired Tom. You should have fired <laughs> uh, Dan Quinn yeah. before you fired him, and then you might have salvaged a year or two with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, but you ruined their last two years together. Yeah. It was devastating and terrible and ugly to watch, and the hamstring hindered him to play on the field as well. So. Well, what do you think of the wide receiving core now? I mean, obviously we got Calvin Ridley, who's no slouch. He could, you know, he could lead the league in yards this year, or something. Yeah, like, no, so. I think he has an opportunity. I think the, I think the offense will be different, so I think they need to temper their expectations, and we do as fans as well, about what this offense is going to look like. Dirk Cutter threw the ball 650 times a year. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah, with Arthur Smith, more balanced. Arthur Smith has averaged his quarterbacks have averaged 530 pass attempts a year the last two years, so much more balanced. Uh, so. Calvin, uh, really nice route runner. Great job catching the ball. Yeah. If you wanted to be picky and say run after catch, he there's, he leaves something to be desired. I see him sometimes kind of running in circles and not getting straight up the field when he's supposed to and running around. But, I mean, guy's a special. He'll be a number one receiver. He'll probably get over 1,000 yards again this year and, and uh, upwards of 75, 85 catches. And he'll be great. Russell Gage moves from the two to the three, over 70 catches last year. Did a great job. Yeah, he's been a nice in, surprise. Filling in when um when Julio got hurt. Right. Julio missed seven games, I believe. And uh, Russell Gates stepped in and did a nice, nice job as that third uh, receiver. Can he step up and be in the number two? Does he even have to because Kyle Pitts is on this roster now. Right. The rookie tight end. Which leads to the next receiver. thing I was going to ask you yeah. is the tight end the tight end situation. We've got I mean Hayden Hurst came in, you know, it was a tra- it was a trade from uh Baltimore yep. and former number 1 pick. I thought did a really nice job for the most part and now we have our num- the highest pick ever for a tight end mm-hmm. in in number Kyle four. Pitts out of, yeah, number 4 out of Florida. So, what do you think happens in the in that with with between those two in the dynamic? Uh, I think it'll be great. I think when you get young talent like that that's malleable, you can mold into whatever you want him to be. I think he's uh, it doesn't come off like he's going to have this big ego or expect certain things. I think he's ready to work a certain way. I think we can get a guy that young to come in and work with Matt, not unlike what happened with Julio Jones. You know, Matt was younger then, but Julio <laughs> yeah, came in <laughs> two or three years after Matt. So Matt had three full seasons to kind of become the quarterback that he was going to become and the leader. Matt became a better leader every single year he was in the league when I was with him for three years, eight, nine, and ten. So I think that all helped, and I think it will help here. I think Matt and Kyle Pitts will hit it off great. You see what he did with guys like Austin Hooper and Tony Gonzalez. I was going to say Tony Gonzalez, of course. They, he kind of, and, and the, the little I've seen of Kyle Pitts, he looks like Tony Gonzalez 2.0. And not that he's gonna, just, that, just that he is probably not going to be the blocking guy as much, <laughs> but a pretty dominant goal yeah. line and, and, and catch receiving tight no end. No question. I don't know how, how often he'll line up with his hand in the dirt next to the offensive tackle. Right. <laughs> I just don't know with his frame. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he puts on 5 or 10 pounds of muscle. Maybe uh, he could put his hand in the dirt and move some 275-pound defensive ends, but I, it's going to be tough for him. But then you have to line him up there every once in a while to keep teams honest and run the football with him in the game. So he'll be fun to watch. I think him and Matt will have a great relationship. Um, I think he needs to score eight-plus touchdowns this year. He may yeah. only have 50 catches, but he needs to get in that eight-touchdown range to well, be lethal. Again, going back to using Tony Gonzalez's example, I mean, he was just Tony Gonzalez back of the end zone, right, when you're in that, like, 10 yards yeah. and in space. Yeah. And that's something the Falcons have struggled with a lot recently, too. <laughs> yeah, big time. Once you're inside the red zone, nothing. And I think— um, Coming away with three points. You I know? know, it's so frustrating. I just uh, go back to Young Way Koo, 37 field goals made last year in the Pro yeah, Bowl yeah. appearance. 
that's too many field goals, and uh, you're not going to win games kicking field goals. Right. So I think Kyle Pitts and, and, and Calvin Ridley can both be touchdown machines. Calvin Ridley showed us that in his first three years in the league. Well, um, segueing off of that, uh, there's a, we're going to get into our first segment, and that's called Finn's Ring of Honor. This is the one ring. Finn's Ring of Honor. Okay, so uh, in this segment, we're going to have your personal ring of honor throughout your career, whether it was elementary, middle, high school, <laughs> whatever. Mm-hmm. And heck, maybe we'll, we'll even throw some coaches, a favorite coaches years in there and stuff. But uh, guys you played with that are your personal ring of honor, whether they're Falcons or not, you know, they, they're they not going to hang in the rafters at Mercedes-Benz, right. but they're the, hanging your, your mental That's ring right. of honor. So who's our first one? The first one, I, got, I thought I'd go chronologically. Um, it was funny how we connected. But Ronnie Harris was a receiver out of Oregon, a speedster, kick returner, played like third, fourth receiver at times, uh, fearless. And when I showed up in Seattle as a Seahawk, as an undrafted free agent, he kind of took me under his wing. He was there. Uh, he knew that I was struggling a little bit. He tried to kind of guide me through the things I was going to need to do and learn and see. Uh, didn't a- actually work out with me. So then reverse course, and, and I get cut, and I go to Europe, and I come back, and I get cut again. <laughs> And I land on the Falcons practice squad, and there he is again, Ronnie Harris, who just played on the 1998 Super Bowl team for the Atlanta Falcons, had a huge catch in that game at one point in the NFC title game, 29-yard catch. I think it might have been on third down instead of a scoring opportunity for the Falcons. But he's one of those guys that just befriended me early, taught me what he learned, played a lot of special teams as well with his speed. He was a gunner. He covered Mm -hmm. kicks. He was a contained guy. I became that guy. For the Falcons, after a while, that contained guy in kickoff coverage, I learned how to play special teams through watching guys like him a lot. So just the mentorship, the friendship he put out there to me, because and and Ronnie Ronnie Harris is this white dude from uh, Oregon that just he was a speedster. He played hard. I think he might have played like I don't know six or seven years in the league. Yeah, ninety three through uh, ninety nine. Right. So just to have. He, he made an impact on my career. It was super brief and and not even that you know. Um, but profound enough that in, in me asking you this, right. this is the first guy you One thought of. One of the first guys that I thought of. And maybe next week we'll do Terrence Mathis because he played a huge role for a well, couple yeah, of years. Well, yeah, you ruined it. I got to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> but Ronnie Harris will be the first guy in my ring of honor. And, and, cool. um, and the last season awesome. in the league for him was 99 with Atlanta. And that was uh, my so, first season in yeah, the league. So, so not n- a long n- way. Number 29, Ronnie Harris. Okay, uh, so I guess wrapping up this maiden voyage of FinCast, what is your overall hope? I mean, we can all hope. We're, yeah, let's not We're hope. fans. What do you you know? I hope or what do I think is actually going to happen? Hope is different. Right. I hope they go 11-6, and 10-7, <laughs> uh, make a wild card or do something like that. I don't think they'll be that good. I think they have to come out the gate roaring to take care of some teams that look like they're lesser competition than what they're going to see later in the season. Yeah. You can get out to a 6-2 and two start. Something crazy like that. Then you got an opportunity to win four out of the next nine games and still have a chance to win double digits and, and make the postseason. So I think it's a team that can win nine, eight, nine, maybe ten games if the things bounce their way. Uh, but I'm excited to see what they do with this offense, with Arthur Smith, with Matt Ryan not throwing the ball 8,000 times and getting a more balanced attack. And then Dean Pease on the defensive side of the football. I'm excited about that as well, where he's a guy right. – that's bringing in a new mindset, and that's the biggest thing with this coaching staff and Terry Fontenot, the new general manager, the new culture, a new idea, uh, a new mindset. Get rid of those T-shirt slogans and yeah, the rah-rah stuff. Let's yeah. get a different message. 
Let's talk to the guys like grown men and let them go out there and love the game of football and start playing it the right way again. Start building for the future again, right? Got to. All right. Well, uh, this has been the first edition of FinCast. Finn, where can they find you on social media? At BFin86 on Instagram and Twitter. At BFin86. And don't forget to tune in to... FinCast every week. <laughs> All right. Do oh, it. sorry. Are you- <laughs> we got a new, a new show. We have The Locker Room. Yes, The Locker Room. The, the Locker Room. The, 6 the- to 10 every morning. Myself, Joe Hamilton, home team Brandon Leak on point, John Michaels, and Hudson Mason. So five of us going back and forth and trying to figure out who the hell is supposed to talk next and what we're going to get into. Monday through Friday, uh, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. on 680 The Fan and 93.7 FM. All right, Finn, I will see you next week for the next edition of FinCast, brought to you by Scanna. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to FinCast, powered by Scana Energy, the official natural gas provider of the Atlanta Falcons. FinCast is hosted by Brian Finneran, co-hosted and produced by Tyler Nelson. Intro and outro music by Atlanta band Gringo Star with their song, I Will Not Follow. Feel free to reach out about the podcast to tyler at 680thefan.com. FinCast is hosted on thepodcastpark.com by 680thefan and can be heard wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next week on FinCast. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs. With Blue certified, nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. (sighs) Or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at Camp Margaritaville Lanier Islands.com.